Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Yes, a Pugliarvi. Gone. The Patrick Pastula era starts now. Let's get into it with the lead. Uh, that was my idea to start the show. Liam's idea to start the show was to play See You Again, the Wiz Khalifa, Charlie Puth song. Yeah, many of you may remember it from Fast and Furious movie mm-hmm. franchise. When- yeah, but it is worth noting, Jessup Pugliarvi is not dead. He's just going to Carolina. Well, some well, of us think that franchise is dead. So. Fair enough. Uh, welcome into Oilers Nation Everyday Streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube. We are already at, 100, already at 100 viewers. I love to see it. If you're watching and you aren't subscribed to the channel, do us a solid. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. All that usual YouTube streamer stuff. I got to get out of the way before we get rolling. We also need to give some love to our friends at the Sports Closet. Get your Patrick Pastula reverse retro jerseys now, everybody. Maybe you need a new jersey because the only one you owned previously had Pugliarvi on the back. Regardless, sportscloset.ca, they got you covered in the Nation Network YouTube chat. Dayton was in with the first comment of the day and said, gonna miss our Bison King, but it's nice to know Kenny is awake. Feeling a bit more hopeful today. You should be, I think. Because mm-hmm. le- let's walk through this a little. Yes, a Pugliarvi out the door. He's going to Carolina. The Oilers now get the signing rights to Patrick Pastula. He is not even signed, so I don't think he's even a contract on their books. They have some wiggle room when it turn, comes to contracts, though. I, I can double-check all that on Cap Friendly as well, who we're partnering up with for the NHL trade deadline this year. Um, but they basically get $3 million to spend. That's huge. That is the big story here. Listen, we'll talk about Pugliarvi. The guy was an Edmonton Oiler for 337 games of his NHL career. He was a fourth overall pick. He was a fan favorite. I get it. I own a Yesa Pugliarvi number 98 jersey. I like the guy. Do I think he's ever going to score 20 goals in the NHL? No. Do I think the Oilers could use that $3 million in a different way to improve their team this year? Absolutely. Do I expect them to do that? Absolutely. I don't want to really hear a lot about, oh, they gave up Pugliarvi for nothing, blah, 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 blah. You needed the cap space. Now let's let our boy Ken Holland cook a little bit because what he does with that cap space is going to be, that's going to be the most important thing here. That's how this deal is going to get judged. Uh, Just taking a look at who is on waivers today, Mark Friedman and Brock McGinn in Pittsburgh, probably no one of interest to the Oilers. Uh, Ken Holland is speaking right now. As I speak, Ken Holland is also doing a press conference, but you don't want to watch that. You just want to hang out here in the Nation Network YouTube and have me tell you everything important he's saying. Like Ryan Rashog, who adds, Holland says he's open to moving his first this year for a year rental. Significant because it's the first time we've really ever heard him say that. It's always been, I don't move first for rentals. Ken Holland hasn't moved a first round pick since he became GM of the Edmonton Oilers. I know there was the Cassian deal. That was all weird, but you know what I'm saying. They still picked Reed Schaefer in that draft. We'll see. We'll see if maybe we get a trade while we are on the air today. Wouldn't that be something? That would be Mm -hmm. special. That would be very, very special. We'll see. I mean, it is silly season after all, folks. Silly stuff is supposed to happen. Every thick of it. Every tweet that pops up on my phone, I'm on pins and needles right now, Liam. Uh, I want to catch up on what everyone is saying in the YouTube chat because I know you all have a ton of takes about this. Chris was in a little bit earlier and said, I love the JP trade. I hope they get Ekholm this trade deadline, then try to get Eric Carlson in the summer. Then your top four next year is Nurse, Ekholm, Carlson, and either CeCe or Barry. Uh, That'd be really hard to pull off cap-wise, but dare to dream dukes 91 says this one hurts whatever he brings in better be worth it and i think that probably sums up how a lot of fans are feeling listen pooley wasn't going to be 
a long-term fixture here. Mm. Ken Holland saying today they offered him a one-year contract with a salary in the ones. So take a pay decrease, sign a deal, and you can stay here. Okay, when a player says, I'm not going to sign a one-year contract with you, that's a sign. The Oilers couldn't qualify him because he's not a three-plus million-dollar player. So what are your options? Keep Pugliarvi until the end of the season and let him walk for nothing? Get a prospect for him and reuse that cap space now to maybe, if we're talking Chikrin or Ekholm, get a piece that's going to help you for not just this run, but the next couple of years as well. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. It's similar to what we've spoken about with Carson Susie possibly being moved from Seattle, right? Like you get something from something you weren't going to get mm-hmm. much else from. And I mean, I get it. I love Jesse Poyavi too. I think he's just a very good character. That smile, just everything. Every time he scored, it felt like everyone in the city was just behind him. But yep. at the end of the day, this was a guy who played seven minutes in a game against one of the top teams in the NHL last night. The trust isn't there between him and the coach. No, unfortunately. it's not. So this was a good move by Ken Holland. I've been, we've all been aggressive on Ken Holland throughout this little window here, but you got a good prospect back. It frees up a contract as well, if you want to consider that at all. And they said, well, how do you say his name? Pistola? Pistola? Patrick Pistola. Looks like he's a pretty good prospect. I was, some people were texting me about it this morning too. And like, apparently he had a pretty good world juniors. I don't really remember him too much, but seems like a good trade both ways. And if people think this is it from Ken Holland, you're wrong. You wouldn't have just the Oilers. The Oilers got worse. They got worse. Oh yeah, but they got worse to get better right away. Step backwards to take two forwards. Holland isn't just going to do this deal and then sit on his hands and say, you know what, two point eight million. There you go, Uncle Kate's. Yeah, There's save you some money. Save you some dough there. It's not how this is going to go. They're going to make more moves. Ken Holland is getting into aggressive mode, which is fantastic to see. Adam Anderson in the chat. I think he, he's a guy who I haven't seen in the chat before. If it's your first time commenting, welcome, Adam. The big question now, what is this teeing up? And I think that's the question kind of everyone has right now. And it's, where is this going to go? Let's, let's just connect some dots. We are not insiders here. We are outsiders. We are not Frank Saravalli. But we get a tweet this morning from Darren Drager that says, the Oilers made progress or whatever he said on Chikrin. He says they're into Gavrikov and Ekholm as well. Okay. Frank Saravalli on his live show, DFO Live, which I was also hosting today, uh, and not a big deal. He says right. the Oilers are interested in Ekholm Chikrin. You have Spectre. You have all these guys. Rashog as well, a couple of days ago, saying the Oilers are just as interested in Chikrin as they ever have been. So connect all those dots. Oilers starting to build up some steam, some momentum, starting to get more and more involved in talks for D men. And today they clear up $3 million. That is not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. They're not just... Pooley being moved today is not a coincidence, is how I view this. It's not just like Holland woke up today and was like, you know what? Today's the day I do it. This gives the Oilers the ability to make a trade today if they want to. 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, it, <laughs> I, I don't have much else to add. Like that yeah. proof is in the putting, right? Like it's right there for the grab. And if the Oilers want Chikrin, to me, it says two things. One, Holland has weighted them out and their price has gone down lower. And I didn't have a second point. That was my only point. Fair enough. Spiced Oil is in and says, Rob Shrimp nailed it. Yes, I won that trade. Hope he gets more playing time. And listen, he might. And I like the player. I think he's a very smart hockey player. He knows where to put himself on the ice and kind of where to be at the right moments. It's what he does when he gets the puck in the slot and his scoring chances. That is the concerning part for me. And last year he had some good numbers. I get it. I'm just pulling up his, uh, his numbers from last year, 14 goals in 65 games. He scored at a 20 goal pace last year. A year before that, he scored at a 20 goal pace. This year, his shooting percentage dipped down. He has five goals in 58 games, only 88 shots in 58 games. I know he doesn't play a ton, so that's going to be a part of this as well. And it's obviously something that you need to to keep factored into it. But I'm not sold on him having like a permanent home in Carolina. I know someone said they hope he and Sebastian Ajo can rekindle the chemistry they had for Finland at the World Juniors. But I look at that right side in Carolina. I see Seth Jarvis and I see Martin Natchez. Martin Natchez is having an incredible season. Seth Jarvis is a top prospect that they really, really like in Carolina. Where does Pugliarvi fit? 
Is he maybe on a line with Jordan Stahl? Yeah, maybe. Is he on the fourth line with Stastny and Nosen? I think that's what, yeah, that's where DFO has him right now. He's going to be a bottom six guy in Carolina, I think. This isn't a deal that I think we'll be looking at in two weeks or three weeks and going, God, yes, a Pugliarvi is just on fire there. Maybe he does. And I know there's a bunch of you who are going to be rooting for him. And that's good. You should have favorite players. You should do that stuff. Um, someone said smart hockey player, LOL. I, I think if you disagree with that, you don't really watch the games um, that closely. He makes great plays in the neutral zone. He makes a bunch of really solid defensive plays. Pugliarvi is fine. He's just, he can't score. And the Oilers need guys who can score. Someone says, Uremchuk says all this about, uh, about Pugliarvi, but doesn't have a problem with Yamamoto. I have a massive problem with Kyler Yamamoto not scoring. I think that's a big issue. I think he needs to bear down and finish some chances. And if he did, they bring that game to overtime last night. So I, I'm not letting anyone off the hook here. If <laughs> Kyler Yamamoto got traded today for a pick, I'd be sitting here largely saying most of the same stuff. He's a hard worker. He's a great four checker, but he couldn't score. I mean, look at this chance here. This could have changed the game. There's no reason why, like to not even get it on net can't happen. The Oilers need, needed Pugliarvi and Yamamoto to produce more. Pugliarvi's gone now. Yamamoto's getting a ton of ice time and that adds to the, the frustration of it all. But I'm not here to like let anyone off the hook, you know? Uh, the guitar maniac says Ken needs to stop doing press conferences. And then in all caps said Chikrin, baby, let me know in the chat who you want. Who do you prefer? Are you team Chikrin? Are you team Ekholm? I I'm, I think it's a really interesting debate. You could do pros and cons for each for Chikrin. He's young. He's cheaper. His cap hit. Yeah. Like I said, he's cheaper. His cap hits lower offensively. He's going to help. And we know that the Oilers big guns I've asked for a puck mover. Okay, well, Jacob Chikrin's a puck mover. I think there's a bit of chaos with his game that would concern me about an acquisition for a Jacob Chikrin. Um, but I like him. I didn't, li- I didn't like him at the three premium assets Arizona was asking for earlier in the season, but we're living in a world where that cost has likely come down a good amount. So I'm more interested in Jacob Chikrin now, just like the Oilers are apparently, that the cost has come down. The cap hit and the age are the good parts. The defensive play is maybe what concerns you a bit. Then there's Matthias Ekholm. Okay, he's older, more expensive, not as good of a puck mover, but he's great defensively. He's been a part of teams that have gone to Stanley Cup finals. I, I think Ekholm would be my pick if you could make the money work in all of it. I have no interest in Vladislav Gavrikov for a first round pick. I don't really see a reason why you would go hard after a guy like that when there's Ekholms and Chikrins on the market. Like, look at the price Toronto paid for Jake McCabe, and they got him at two million bucks. If if you have to give up a first for McCabe or a first for Gavrikov, and then you ask for Chikrin as a first plus a little bit more, you go get Chikrin. You don't waste your time with a guy who you know isn't going to sign here, who isn't as good as those other two D-men I listed. So there you go. Uh, We do have a guest today on the show. As always, our guest line is brought to you by Star Mechanical. Star Mechanical has been one of Edmonton's top new home plumbing installers for the last 20 years. Our crew, Their crews are highly qualified, feature over 50 plumbers and gas fitters, and they're available for 24-7 emergency service. You can call 780-481-8873 or visit them online at Star Mechanical. Robin Brownlee, senior writer with OilersNation.com, popping into the show. Robin, thanks again for hopping in. Yes, a pool Yarvi. Boom, out the door. Pool Yarvi era over. Your thoughts on the trade? My goodness. Well, I tell you what, um, people have been waiting for this to happen for ever, <laughs> it seems. Um, yeah. You know, the kid they've got coming back. Uh, I don't know anything about him aside for what I what I looked up in the last twenty minutes or half hour. Of, if I'm going to be honest, you know, you, I, I saw a scouting report on him that his game seems to be coming around. What I first read was that he was a terrible skater, like that much. Um, but apparently, I mean, that's just not a skater. But apparently, uh, he's he's polished that up a bit. You know, you know this, Tyler. Uh, 
yes, a Paul Yarvey, uh, you know, he didn't ask to be taken forth by the Edmonton Oilers. He didn't ask for the situation. He comes into it. And, you know, the people on, on to one extreme, is a, he never did anything. What were they thinking to take him on and on and on? You know, fine, fair. Uh, the others, he can do no wrong. If you look, if you look hard enough, there's numbers that show there's a player there, and to some degree, uh, that makes sense to me. The problem is when you become a three million dollar player instead of a a million and change. I mean, that's great money in our worlds, but as a hockey player, it's a big difference, and you've got to do more than steer guys in the right places as a defensive forward and be hard on the puck. you got to score a little. And the biggest fault Jesse had was he just couldn't finish this year. And that seems to be if you play on the right side, you can't put the puck in the ocean because there's no scoring on the right side whatsoever. So that opens up an interesting question. Who's going to score there now that he is gone? But sticking with, with Jesse... I hope he does well in Carolina. Sebastian Ajo's there. We know that. I'm not so sure. I don't know if this guy is a player. He's certainly a likable young man. Uh, yeah. He does some things that analytic pe- analytical people will tell you is are good, and I believe that. I can see it. But I think he's back home by the end of next season. Um, he's made a nice bit of money. He's a young guy. He's made four million bucks in this league already. He can go back home at as a young man, still make good money in a shorter season, play at a level where, frankly, he's got a far better chance to get something done and dominate, uh, like as he did when he went away, and uh, live a nice life and not have to be away from home uh, with any pressure on him. Because you know what, He'll, the number is going to come down. That's part of the reason he wasn't going to, you know, Holland was going wasn't going to qualify a million, and he told him that. So uh, that's part of the reason he's going. He's not a he's not a player that's worth three million bucks. And is he going to be happy in Carolina? or anywhere else grinding it out on the third or fourth line. I don't think so. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I think a lot of people are just making this connection that, oh, they're going to play him next to Aho and it's going to be great. I see Tyler Mulek in the chat saying him and Aho are going to light it up. And I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm there because again, like Puyarvi does some great stuff away from the puck and in the neutral zone, he'll force turnovers. He comes back hard. Like there's things about his game that I really like. And I really do think if he would have came into Edmonton as a fourth round pick who surprised everyone, he's probably still kicking around because he's probably making 1.1 million. And when a guy on your fourth line who doesn't have the expectations has five goals in 58 games, no one really seems to bat that much of an eye, but I just, I really don't see this as a guy who's going to go to Carolina and all of a sudden start converting every scoring chance he gets and score 20 goals before the end of the year. Well, the only way, the only way he plays with Ajo is if they happen to get caught in the last 30 seconds of a shift change, because Pugliarvi doesn't do anything that suggests he should play with, unless there's a curiosity there in a preseason game or something down the road where the coach says, well, let's put these guys together and see what happens. But, you know, you you don't recapture old times like that. I mean, if you could, you would plunk Jesse right back into the 2016 World Junior Championship where he was a dominant player in the, and the leading scorer in the tournament. But trust me, and for the guys who aren't quite as long in the tooth as I am, I remember in a tournament where there was a lot of high-quality uh, players, where Lindros was there and Bure, uh, where Yuri Slager named the best defenseman in the tournament. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean anything down the road. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Uh, Eric is in the chat, says finesse just isn't there to be playing with Aho, just like playing with McDavid. Pars says pull you and Aho are best friends. Yeah, I mean, that's great. You can yeah, be best friends all they want. I'm just saying we're talking about converting on the ice. And I don't know. I mean, Rod Brindamore is also going to have to play him there. We're also north of 400 in the YouTube chat. So if you're watching there, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Everyone wants to know what's going to happen next. We're hearing tweets or we're seeing tweets from Darren Dreger about interest in Chickholm. We're hearing Frank talk about interest in Matthias Ekholm. If you had to pick, Brownlee, which one do you like? If Which D-man on the market should Kenny Holland be targeting? Now, okay, Tyler, is the question, which way do I think it'll go? Or... Which way would I go? Because there's a difference. Yeah. Hey, give me both answers. Which way do you think? Which way would you go if you were in the chair? I think it probably goes. Uh, you know, I, I think they. I think they've got uh, a real interest. I mean, and everybody knows the news here. Jacob Chikrin. I like him because he's young. He makes good dough, but he's still under control for two more years. He can move the puck. I think he's the best of the defensemen available, but he's the guy. You know what? I like the money and I like the age. The guy I like best for the Oilers situation, because I don't think they need to score more. I like Matthias Eckholm. You know, he's, but at 32 and 6.25, there's, there's three years left on that. So it takes 35. That doesn't make him Duncan Keith age by any stretch. So mm-hmm. that's not so bad. I think he probably fits best what they need and they want. Uh, he's sort of the, like the minivan of the bunch. He's the sensible, uh, he's the sensible pick for the family, family guy. I think Chickern is more of the sports car that the family guy looks as they walk into the showroom to go check out the minivan. Um, Gavrikov, I'm with you. I heard what you said earlier. Doesn't do anything with me, yeah. but the guy that's entered, entered the, the conversation, so to speak. And I wonder about him is Colton Pareko. Oh, that's a rich deal, though. So, you know what? And I've got a thing, and I've been proved wrong so many times. I don't like giving guys contracts at an age that take them to and, – and, and Pareko now is fine at 29, but yeah. holy crap, by the time that deal's over uh, – you know, that's that's old man age in, in NHL years. And it's seven years left, I'm thinking, when I'm looking here. Yeah, uh, no, yeah that deal just kicked in. Seven seven years at 6'5". Now, Colton Pareko is probably going to make you look like a genius for the first four years until he gets to be 33. And look, some people will say, yeah, but Brownlee or Uremchuk, that's your window. Win now. Mm-hmm. What if it's a couple of cups in those four years? Worry about the back end of the contract later or don't worry about it at all. Just I get nervous about those long-term deals because you end up with dead money on your cap. Uh, and, and we've seen what a problem that can be. Um, I, I like him the best here and now after uh, Chikrin. But I don't. I think that's a long shot. Whose name has just came up. So, uh, to get to the to answer, I like Chickering the best, but I think they'll go. My sense is they'll go with Ekholm if they can. Yeah, it'll just be a matter of the money, and who knows? Holland did say at his press conference today that you know teams are willing to eat money on UFAs, but they're not willing to eat money on guys with two or three years left on their term. Although it is worth noting, Chicago just did that in their deal, sending Jake McCabe to Toronto. Some news from practice: our friend Tom Gazzola sends out a tweet. Uh, Leon Drysaddle went down after taking a shot on Stuart Skinner. Seemed to be favoring his left side. Um, yeah, it's worth it. He didn't block a shot. He took a shot on Stuart Skinner and then left with in some discomfort. So uh, certainly something to keep an eye on there. The Oilers have a big game tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, before I let you go, Brownlee, let me get your take on last night's game. To me, I, I sum it up as you need to play mistake-free hockey to beat a team like the Boston Bruins. And the Oilers made three mistakes in that game. It was blown coverage on the first goal. Really yeah. bad blown coverage on goal number two, and then a 
undisciplined, maybe borderline unlucky, I guess, high sticking penalty late in the game that kills your comeback chances. What do you think of the game? Well, I I thought they played a reasonable game and to make those mistakes, that number of mistakes, that that's a good night on a lot of nights. The problem is it's not a good enough night against the Boston Bruins. Um, Mm -hmm. My biggest takeaway from that game, Tyler, and, you know, it was uh, post game, uh, you know, when the game was decided is uh, I looked at that. I looked at that photo of Connor McDavid holding the 50 goal puck and man, did he look unhappy. <laughs> and, and, you know, what he had to say about how the, the, the Bruins have mastered the art of winning. Um, that is the whole story to me and not to get into the, Oh, Connor's going to ask out. Connor wants to leave. <laughs> but if you listen, if you listen to what Tyson Berry said too, um, he cares, you know, Connor is happy when we win. He can score 50, he can get another heart trophy, he can get something else for the trophy case. He's got that stuff now. That's not why he plays the game. And he never, I don't know if you saw the, did you see the walk off with Zipay between periods after he got 50? It was, yeah, I did. It was, it was painful. And I actually sent Gina DM saying, good job, man. That's a tough gig. Because you know what? Connor McDavid fakes it for no one. I don't know the young man, to be honest, because I'm not on the beat there uh, like I once was. But I tell you what, that's all that matters to him. And that's not fake. That's not an act. He's not putting on airs. And that's my takeaway is, um, Ken, we need help. I don't care about the 50. I want to go beyond what we did last year. What can you do for us? He didn't say that. I'm not trying to say that's, you know, his body language, but yeah, I got 50. And what did he say? That's a good number, a nice number when, when mm. Rashog asked him about it in the dressing room after the game. That's about as per- terse a response as you can get when you just hit 50 goals. So uh, Ken Holland has to do something to help put this team over the top. That's his job. He's got an opportunity to do it. And yeah, it's tough. But that's why he's making five million bucks to sit in that chair. So get something done beyond moving Jesse Pogliarvi because that's not moving the needle. And I think it's a setup deal for something to come. We just hope it's the right deal from the Oiler perspective. Yeah, and we'll and we'll see what it ends up being. A couple days to go until the trade deadline. So Ken has a little bit of time here. Robin, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for your insight. Thanks for your hot takes on the trade market as well. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Tyler. There you go. That's Robin Brownlee's appearance brought to you by Star Mechanical. Check him out online, starmechanical.ca. We never really got into the hockey game last night, um, but you all just want to talk about the trades. You want to talk about what's going on. Sean in Calgary says, now we need to dump Yamamoto, Fogel, and CeCe. I doubt it. But it is worth noting they would have to clear up a little bit more money if they wanted to even just make a room, make room for Jacob Chikrin. They can make Gavrikov work right now. He's 2.8. You know, maybe Columbus would keep half of it as well. You could bring in a Vladislav Gavrikov, Liam, make it work today to get Chikrin, who is 4.6. You need to clear up about 1.6 million, maybe even a little bit more than that. So you could have some wiggle room. So you're not doing this whole song and dance with emergency recalls in Devon Shore anymore. So another contract does need to go out the door. I, sorry, just before I get your take on it, I'm skeptical that it'll be a D-man going out the door to do that. I think they need more help on the blue line, not less. What are the chances Arizona would keep money? There has been some rumors about that, right? But the others just have to pay a little bit more. I'm just thinking if you look at that Jake McCabe deal yesterday, two million, right? And it didn't cost him that much more. I think you pay that. I'd rather the others pay a little extra to get a chicker in and retain the money than lose another player. This Ross is pretty good. Like we criticize it every single day, but you look at it and they're a good team. There's obviously holes, but chicker would fill that or Ekholm or whoever it may be. So I think I would rather add now that you've moved a little bit of money out than rather lose somebody else because you really don't have that money at the bottom rather than like a Yan marker or Costin, but I don't want to lose either of those guys right now. Yeah. So desperate. 
Desker says Tyler not mentioning sub 900 goaltending last night. I didn't like the third goal on Stuart Skinner. So yeah, I mean, an extra save and you get a point in that hockey game, but he also only gave up three goals to the Boston Bruins, right? This isn't the same as getting lit up. Like if he would have had that performance against Chicago, I would have been like, oh man, like you need a little bit more from your goalie there. But I think against Boston, one of the best teams in the league, giving up three goals is probably a fine performance. We're up to 464 now in the chat. So let's keep it rolling. Can we get to 500 viewers for the first time in this show's history? We just might. We just might. Damn it. Eric is in and says Yamamoto has lost what made him the honey badger with injuries. It's a bummer, but it's reality. Yeah, a lot of people souring on Yamamoto, but to be fair, it's the same criticisms that Yesa Puliarvi is getting. Like Puliarvi did stuff well. He got in on the forecheck. He added a physical element to his play. He made smart D zone plays. He was solid in the neutral zone. It was just that area right in front of the net where he really struggled. And yes, a Pugliarvi, or sorry, Kyler Yamamoto is in the same boat, in my opinion. Five goals in 37 games. So he's played a little bit less than Pugliarvi and gotten the same amount of production. So worth noting, but he needs to score. He should be at 10 goals right now, right? This is a guy where when you look at the minutes and the opportunity he gets, should be a 20 goal scorer year in, year out, or at least be at a 20 goal pace. He hasn't been that. So it's disappointing. I'm not sitting here and like protecting Kyler Yamamoto. No one's doing that. And I feel like every time I criticize Pugliarvi or I have, people are like, oh, but you're fine with Yamamoto. And it's like, well, no, a, a criticism of Pugliarvi is not in hand a glowing review of Kyler Yamamoto. Um, there's one guy who keeps talking about how JP did not do things. Well. I'm telling you, you aren't watching the games very closely. If you don't notice the things he's doing well, or you're like certain people with certain players. And a lot of them have been the victim of this in Edmonton. I think back to guys like Matt Benning and before that, Justin Schultz, where People in the fan base turn on you and they don't notice the good things you do well anymore. Darnell Nurse is in that category right now. I thought Darnell Nurse had a really solid hockey game last night. He made a bunch of really good plays, breaking some things up. Like, I think he was solid. People will, there is now a section of the fan base that will just never recognize that. They will talk about him when he plays bad. They will ignore his existence when he plays well. So, um, sometimes you just have players you don't like. It's whatever. It's a blind spot for some people. That's whatever to me. The point I was getting at here um, is that the Oilers still need to free up some money. So if they make a deal with Arizona, if they make a deal with Nashville specifically, because Nashville, I mean, Ekholm 6.25. So you're only like not, you're not even halfway there to clearing out the amount of cap space you'd need to for Matias Ekholm. We're talking about a Fogel or a Yamamoto still going out the door in a potential deal. Uh, if you're just hopping in news from practice today is that, uh, Leon Dreisaitl left the skate after taking a shot. Like he took a wrist shot and left in some discomfort. So we'll see. Dreisaitl also went down hard once in last night's game as well. Uh, if you got any questions, throw them into the chat. We got lots of time to talk about trades. It is an interesting point where, you know, last week it felt like there were a lot more names we were discussing as possibilities or 10 days ago. And now it really does feel like we're getting to a point where it's, the Oilers are going to make a move. They're going to get a defenseman first. Chikrin or Ekholm seem to be up there. Gavrikov is some sort of plan C. I wouldn't be surprised if they're interested in a guy like Nick Jensen over Vlad Gavrikov. Holland has some history with him. We know he generally likes to go after guys he has a history with. So I would say those are the three to watch on the blue line. Chikrin, Ekholm, Jensen. Maybe Jensen is that rental Holland's talking about having interest in going out and getting. Um, that we kind of have a sense of where that's going. I think just from reading the tea leaves. Now it's a matter of seeing what they do in the forward group because again, they've lost Yesa Pugliarvi off this active roster. Someone said, are they better with or without Pugliarvi? They're better with Pugliarvi. He's an NHL caliber player. I think he's better than a Devin Shore. I think he's on the level of a Matthias Janmark. And the point is, you, you look at the right side of this lineup here, you don't really have anyone who can just now jump in and take that Pugliarvi spot. The right side of this Oilers lineup is actually pretty thin and it just got thinner. And if you're going to move on from a Kyler Yamamoto or a Warren Fogle in a cap dump, either the bottom six or the right side gets even thinner. So you need to go add a piece here. Some of you are asking about Max Domi in the chat. I know that's a guy Liam has, has really, really liked in the past. Oh, you're back. Way back. You're back. Like You like Domi. He's cheap as well. Um, that would be a name I think they're interested in. I'm just pulling up Frank's trade targets list. But there are options here. 
Yeah, and I think the way you look at it now is there's a lot of guys uh, cheaper now on the cap for the Oilers to yeah. go out and make some moves here. So if they want to, I think uh, some interesting names are maybe guys who make less than a million who you can then retain half and then the Oilers can actually afford them mm-hmm. a little bit better. So it's going to be interesting, but yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens when they, when they make another deal here. I think they're going to need another forward. Do we had kind of talked about the over under being two and a half for the Oilers. I am very confident that's going over. We're getting two well, trades between now and Friday. Dump you said, yeah, D man forward at least. We might get a fourth, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we get a fourth. Do you trade. think they need that many? Do you like what do you think? What do you think would be a perfect window now that the first domino mm-hmm. has fallen with the money? You're getting a D man. I think you're getting some form of a depth winger mm-hmm. and some sort of insurance piece down the middle. Again, we've kind of now identified people saying, go get Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's not coming here. He's going to the New York Rangers. It's just a matter of them announcing the damn thing. They're waiting to let the Rangers accrue more cap space as this thing goes on. Patrick Kane, not happening. If you're dropping in Eric Carlson comments, guess what? Not happening. Eric Carlson came out yesterday and said it would be weird if he got traded now. Mike Greer would have asked him. Yeah. Okay, Carlson and Kane, push him away. We're not talking about those guys anymore. You're going to go get and spend to get a defenseman. And then you're going to go and add some forwards. Looking at Frank's trade targets list, there are a bunch of options that are just simply too expensive for the Oilers. Kevin Hayes, not happening. Uh, JVR, not happening. Granlin, not happening. I am intrigued by Adam Henrique, but now he's got an injury that could potentially keep him out for a while. And there was that whole thing this morning too, the LTIR stuff that came out, which is Shitty timing. The NHL basically sent a memo to the GMs being like, don't do any sneaky shit with LTIR. If you think you can acquire Nyquist or um, Henrik, yeah, he'd be the other one. If you think you can just acquire him, stash him on LTIR and bring him back for the playoffs, we're going to be looking at you hard because that's cap circumvention. So just another day of the NHL making up their own rule book. Yeah, just as things go along, right? When the Lightning did that with Kucherov, I mean, the Avs are actively doing more or less the same thing right now with Gabe Landeskog. The mm-hmm. NHL is like, hey, we're going to be watching all you GMs. If you want to add Gustav Nyquist before the yep. deadline, we'll get you. Hey, uh, Gary, the Avs are doing it with Landeskog. Well, I mean, come on. What do you want me to do? I just think this memo was to kind of be like, they better actually be hurt. I Frank seems to think it's going to kind of kill the chances of a deal. He said Nyquist and Henrik are going to plummet on his trade targets board because of this memo. But I mean, it's still within the rules to acquire them and put them on LTIR until the playoffs. If they're actually hurt, you just have to be confident they're going to be hurt for that long. And the thing is too, like Columbus announced that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. Like it's not like the Oilers are acquiring yeah. Nyquist and it's like, Oh, he now has a bung knee for approximately 47 days and he'll be back for game one of the playoffs. He's hurt. He's legitimately hurt. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't, I don't know. It's just convenient timing to say the least on this, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what kind of happens with Nyquist. Now I, I can't imagine he had a ton of value before he got injured. And now that this memo is out and he's injured, yeah. we'll see. Maybe you can get him for cheaper. We will see. We've cracked 500 viewers on the Nation Network YouTube. If you're watching for the first time, hit the subscribe button, hammer the like button as well. This is without a doubt our most watched show because you all want to talk about trade targets. Up front, we just talked about Henrik. Listen, if Anaheim could keep 50% of give me Adam Henrik. I like that guy. He's got term. If you sit here at this deadline and you end up sacrificing like your next two firsts and Xavier Borgo and a mid-round pick, you do it for guys with term. Do it for Chick Renner at home. Do it for Adam Henrique because you're just not going to, you're not going to regret those moves in two months. Remember with Andreas Athens, see you, right? You push all in. I get it. He was an RFA, but you regretted that thing within months. COVID screwed it over. I get it. But with, when you get guys with term, kind of like what Tan- or Toronto just did with uh, Lafferty and McCabe, when you get guys with term, you have the, a playoff run and then another playoff run. I think it makes sense. That's why I like Henrik. Uh, still going on the forwards here. Nick Schmaltz in Arizona is potentially available. If you're sitting there going, hey, Nick Schmaltz, Jacob Chikorin, package deal, that would be north of $10 million. They can't afford that, unfortunately. I was going to say Nick Schmaltz is five and a half. 5.8. Uh, how long? I think it's like five more years, man. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. So yeah, that would be truly special. He's 5.8 for three more years. Sorry. 
That's just too much. And you won't get them to keep on all of that. So I don't see how you can make that work. Um, the other forwards, like Brock Besser, not realistic, too expensive, not a fit. Just not a fit. Jordan Greenway is not that good. Alex Kerfoot is not a fit. JT Miller, wildly expensive. Yes, Apuliarvi already been traded. And then after that, you're into this group of guys that's, I mean, I like Max Domi. I like Lars Eller in Washington. His cap, it worries me a little bit. But again, if they're willing to keep half, then you could probably make something work there. There are younger options like a Noah Gregor. Lawson Krause is on that board. He's expensive. Jacob Varana is on that board. He's expensive. I think what we'll see is a Domi-like kind of deal. Apparently, we lost our audio for a little bit. I don't know if it's back. Hard to tell. The chat is absolutely nuts right now. I can't even read it. Chat's going crazy. We hit 500 and then the stream crashes. So, um, yeah, there you go. But anyways, I like Domi. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's a guy the Oilers have interest in because he gives you lineup flexibility. He makes you tougher to play against. And he's scoring a ton this year. Three million bucks. They keep half. That's 1.5. Again, if you're moving out of Yamamoto and a Fogel for either Ekholm or Chikrin, Chikrin specifically probably because the money's lower, you can afford then one and a half on a Max Domi. So that makes sense. Mm. Remember, you're also going to be moving guys off the roster and that's cap space going out as well. I like Nick Bonino. I think he'd help. I'd be really interested in uh, a guy like Noah Gregor in San Jose just because I think he could be an interesting kind of project and he'd be pretty cheap. And if San Jose was willing to keep half this year, he's 425K. I like the idea of grabbing someone like that, like a Noah Gregor, just someone who's relatively cheap. The, mm-hmm. the risk and reward is there for both, I guess. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the chances of it, if it does work out, like you've got a guy who can actually contribute in the bottom six for you. Yeah. And if you do 11 and 7, he can play. He's got the skill to play with McDavid. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect case for me. Yeah. Uh, Patrick says, Chikrin, Domi, Shen. I don't think they'll do two D-men. I think no. they like DeHarnay and Broberg enough where they won't go in on 2D. We haven't spoke about DeHarnay trying to slice Pasternak in half last night. That was a really dumb penalty. That was stupid. That was really, really stupid. I get it. The <laughs> got it right here. Too. Yeah, we got the clip. He was obviously pissed off after what happened, but man, you can't do that at that point in the game. That is ridiculous. He blocked a zillion shots there, and I loved it. I loved it. Yep. Outside of him blocking those five shots in 30 seconds, I, I thought he had an okay game. An okay game, but you can't do dumb stuff like that. Like the Klim Costin penalty is a little bit more bad luck. Cause you're trying to make a play. Your stick goes up like that happens. It just sucks that he happened to be bleeding and it's a four minute double minor with four and a half to go, but you still have a bit of hope at that time. And I get it. They almost scored on the five on three. Yeah. Like that was crazy when they just flipped it, went up the ice and McDavid and dry did what they did. It was unbelievable, but you can't be doing dumb stuff like that. And that's why you need to go get a, another defenseman, yeah. right? Like I've- injuries are going to happen and all that stuff. Whatever. Vinny can play. There's no denying that. But yep. I think this now maybe even takes him off the good books a little bit with that penalty killing group. Like, I can't see him out there in a situation like that for a few more games. I mean, yeah. If you're getting that point, like, it's a guy now you've lost a little bit of trust in, like, last few minutes of a game. Like, great Probably, that you're yeah. blocking all those penalties, man. All those shots, sorry, but you just took a massive penalty, which if the game yep. wasn't killed, it definitely was dead at that point. Yeah. And again, I, I understand they got the chance, but like you are effectively killing your comeback chances <laughs> yeah. when you go down to a five on three with two and a half minutes to go. Um, Salvatore says, stop it with acquiring bottom six players. We don't need them. Let's focus on defense only. If your car is out of gas and has a cracked windshield, you fix them both. You don't just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to worry about the fact there's a hole in my windshield. I need gas. You need both. They need both. Depth players don't do anything. Yes, they do. We talked about this with the Colorado Avalanche last year. Who did they go out and get? Big splash, Josh Manson. Big splash, Arturi Lekkinen. Went out and got Andrew Cogliano. He was huge for them in the playoffs. He was a great ad in the room, on the ice, all of it. You can go get bottom six players if they're the right pieces. We're also talking about scenarios where puliarvi has gone and likely one of Yamamoto or Fogel are going to have to go to make more money work. So you're going to need to replace those minutes. Like Kyler Yamamoto played north of 20 minutes last night where you're just going to hope that Matthias Yanmark can do that. 
I get that Kane's hurt right now. So he'll come back. If you're having audio issues, you need to reset the stream. We had a lot of people, everything went crazy. I'm sorry. I don't think we're actually having audio issues on our end because it, the They're lines are moving. Up. We're, we're cranked up. I play a thing. I don't know if you heard that. That'll be us when the Oilers get Chikrin and or Matias or, or Matias Ekholm. Oh, both. Did I call him Chikholm? I think Brownlee did. Somebody Fair. called him Chikholm. It, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was Brownlee. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Spiced Oil sent me the Photoshop, which are their two faces mashed together. That'd be great. If you can do that, you got to find a way. That'd be the dream D-man, right? Chick. <laughs> Chick home. Yeah. Um, but just on the bottom six thing, Tyler, like to be honest, like who really cares why they play if they make this team better? Well, that's exactly <laughs> it too. Like better. make the team better. I actually love how many people, because I'm looking at the numbers here as our stream goes like up and down. And when I said refresh, if you're having audio issues, the numbers are just on like boop, boop, right back up. <laughs> they were back up to 430 now. They're back up to 430. Um, I apparently call them chick home. <laughs> Whatever. There's a lot going on in my brain today, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mash them together. Joey, the backup optimist, did the little like chicken, chicken or rooster thing and then the home. That's funny. That's a good one. That is, uh, oh, that is really the, good. Yeah, it's a Photoshop. Yeah, there Throw you go. Throw it up, Aaron. He's not that bad looking. No? There you go. How would you do their Matikub? Oh. Jakaius? Oh, don't even do that stuff to me. I think Patrick King uh, got traded. Okay. Frank Saravalli has it. Breaking news. Frank Saravalli got one. Shout out to our boy. Sources tell Daily Faceoff the Rangers are expected to acquire Patrick Kane for a 2023 second round pick and a fourth round pick. A third team will be in the mix to keep some of this money. I would imagine that's what the fourth round pick is for, Liam, is it's going to a team to keep 50%. This makes it possible for Kane to debut with the Rangers tomorrow night in Philadelphia. So before we all go absolutely nuts being like, why didn't Ken Holland do this? Just to bring this up again, only Patrick Kane could decide where he wanted to go. Yes. And he wanted to go to the New York Rangers and that's what they paid. That is a very good price. The second Kamikam of first, I believe. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, there it is right now. So we'll see. Like, that's obviously a very good deal. The, the Rangers just got Tarasenko and Patrick Kane and only traded one first round pick potentially. It could become a first. I would imagine that is linked to them, like going to the cup final or going to the conference final this year. But yeah, if you all want to sit here and be like, what was Holland doing? Patrick Kane went to the Hawks and said, I will go to one spot. I am going to the New York Rangers. If the Rangers would have said, Hey, we aren't interested. We aren't touching you. We can't afford this deal. Then he realistically could have checked down to the Oilers. The Oilers were one of the teams that were a possibility at one point, but the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kane said, I want to go to the New York Rangers. That's why this deal gets done. It's great value. You're dealing from a position of strength. Remember when Ken Holland was dealing from a position of strength with Duncan Keith and still gave up a first and a third round pick for him? Um, But this is what you do. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) This is what you do when you're dealing from a position of strength. You make a good deal. And this is a good deal. Chicago could potentially get another first round pick. At least they get something. They're also doing right by their guy, right? Someone who's going to have their statue or going to have a statue in the front of their arena mm-hmm. and their banner up in the rafters. Patrick Kane just wasn't realistic. So is Holland asleep? What did you want him to like? If the Oilers could have gotten Patrick Kane for a second and a fourth round pick, they would have done it. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on. You think Ken Holland, do you think the rain or the Hawks called Ken and were like, Hey, uh, We'll give them to you for a second and a third. And Ken was like, whoa, fuck no. Jesus. A third? A, a third? No way. Did you like, see I got Luca Monk- Munzenberger with a third a few years ago? No chance. Free Luca. Um, <laughs> this was not a situation where there was a bidding war for Patrick Kane. There was one team the Hawks were allowed to negotiate with. Sean and Calgary. Kane got less than Jeannot. Because Kane, Jeannot makes 800K yeah. and you have restricted rights with him. It makes so it's such a massive difference. These people comparing you know and Pugliavi. I think we already spoke about that. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's been a long show. It has been a long show. My Brunlock Kelly says the stream is fine. So shout out to everyone watching. DeAndre Miller suspended three games so he's just on the Rangers topic. So he's out, but I think he still counts against their cap. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Mulek and a second round pick could turn into Tyler Benson. <laughs> no way I could give that up. Um 
Cato. Oh, so basically Ken Holland can't make good deals even from a position of strength. Yeah. I do kind of like they got something for Puliarvi, considering we talked about a couple months ago with Frank, like, oh God, are they gonna have to pay someone just to take that money? I think it's fine. Don't we have a tweet from someone who gave us uh, a scouting report on Patrick Pastula? Oh yeah. It's uh, I can read it. Can I'll, you read it? Yes, let me find it here quickly. Thank you. We will sit in silence until then. <laughs> <laughs> We've been streaming for a while. It's almost been an hour. I'm going to do this shit for four hours on Friday, man. I am not excited. Okay. Actually, I am excited. That's a lie. Lassie Alainen. Who is a Finnish reporter. He is the director of European scouting for Elite Prospects. So he knows what he's talking about. Patrick Pistola, now an Edmonton prospect, has finally blossomed into his own in Liga this season leading his team in points with 38 and 56 games, very skilled handler, crafty playmaker, and good instincts around the net. Hashtag Oilers. Hashtag Oilers. Yeah. Interesting note. So one thing I just want to comment on this, and I think it's interesting, is when the Oilers acquired Klim Costin, everyone was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. He turned into a good player. Like, I think we just got to be patient with this guy. He's 22. He's unsigned currently. I, I would imagine you always sign him this summer and then move him into the into Bakersfield next season. Maybe he become just a bottom bottom six guy for the Oilers. And right now, yep. the Oilers need to acquire these players so that when the summer comes around and they want to go and sign a Zach Hyman or re-sign Evander Kane and Nuge, they have the money because they have guys like them, him potentially, yeah. who can come in and play a bottom six pair and uh, bottom six minutes on no money. Yeah, he's been playing in the Liga for a hand or in Liga for a handful of years, or Liga, I think is the right way to say it. And you can see on the screen here how his numbers have kind of shot up recently. So I think it's fine. At least you got something. You got a lottery ticket back. Yeah. What are the chances Patrick Pastula ever plays an NHL game for you? Probably less than twenty five percent, but there's a chance. So you bring in a guy like that, and you uh, you get rid of three million bucks, which is the big thing here. Uh, someone asked in the chat, and I'll give their name here. Or will I? Did I lose it? No, DC. What about Pareko? He says with a million question marks. Mm. Dreger said talks are heating up. Okay. If you can't afford Chikrin right now at 4.6, which they could make work if they wanted to, let's be clear about that. I'm not saying that that is like a huge sticking point. You would have a tough time with Ekholm at 6.25. Now we're going to talk about Colton Pareko at six and a half for another seven years. He's in the first year of that mega extension. Listen, if I'm paying Matias Ekholm till his age 35 season, 6.25, or maybe if Nashville keeps a little, I'm okay with that. I don't know if I want to be paying Colton Pareko until his age 37 season. And his results have been poorer than Ekholm's this year. I get there's an age gap. Pareko's a little bit younger, but they're both in the back half of their career now. And I don't want to be saddled up with a massive Colton Pareko deal. If he didn't have that contract, if he was four mil, I'm all over it. Yeah, me too. Six and a half for that long, someone else can have him. I just think these other options. There is. There. There's better options. That you, Perico would be maybe on my list, but very low on it. I would have had to call probably all the other teams in the NHL before I went and spoke yeah. to St. Louis there. But hey, we all wanted Perico a few years ago, but you can see there on this tweet, cap hit till 2030. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm good too. You know how far away 2030 is? Seven years. It's a long time, Liam. Yeah. We'll still be of, doing the show though. Yep. We've well, Col- we signed contracts till then. Yeah. Uh, Colton Pareko, he'll do the Mark Giordano at that age. He'll come sign with the Oilers for $800,000 for a couple of years and he'll come home then. But we're not paying to get him now. Um, what top, singer, top six winger do we even go for now? Says JHB. I don't know if we go for one. I think it's hard on D. Couple of middle six forward options. I would like to ask the chat, and maybe I'm wrong in this. Why do we need that? Why do we need another top six player? Like know. I'm I'm hey, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been nice to get uh Patrick Kane, uh Timo Maya, whoever mm-hmm. it may be. But I feel like if you can find someone who can kind of balance you in the middle and in that rate, I think that's fine. Like the Oilers don't need high end scoring. They need that middle pack guy to come in and contribute every few nights, kind of what Fogel's been doing and McLeod has been doing and Yamo will probably start doing like we criticize Ronaldo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Got your soccer hat on there, buddy. Yeah, Yamamoto a lot on this show, but 
I get it. He missed those chances, but at least he's there. At least he's yeah. in those spots. So eventually those all bounce for him. And yeah, someone put Lawson Kraus. I don't know if that's available at the moment. That deal might be too difficult to move. If the others, they need a defenseman. Yeah. And then they can go and play with their other forwards. Uh, Pateri, our pal from Finland, says it's Liga with a hard G, like in Gorilla. That's why we like having Pateri in the chat. Brings good value. Uh, McJesus, is Domi considered top six? He's top six in Chicago right now, and I think he has that potential. He's a support player, though. He's a top nine forward in some, whatever capacity you have him in. Something to consider, too, and I mentioned it with Noah Gregor. They always play with 11 forwards half the time anyway. Yeah. So you you just need bottom six guys who can play with McDavid and Drysdale. They mm-hmm. just need to be skilled enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance says I could be dead in twenty thirty. Hey, every day is a gift, Lance. So let's remember that. We're just all trying to make it to deadline day. Am I right? Tyler Mulek says Zach Cassian. I don't know why he just said it. Sure. Uh, John says we lead the league in scoring. Don't need another elite scorer up top. You're right. You need a D man. Uh, this from Emily Kaplan, the third team in the Arizona or in the Chicago Can I Rangers. Take a stab. Who do you think it is? I'm going to guess Arizona. Ding, ding, ding. The Coyotes are apparently the third team in that deal. Are they maybe getting this fourth round pick to then package it with Jacob Chikrin to Edmonton? Da, da, da. Is the trade call for this Kane deal holding up a potential Chikrin deal? Could be stuck in the fax machine. Hey, anything is possible. Uh, Lawson Krause has four more seasons at 4.3 million. It, it's too hard, I think, for the Oilers to fit in two players making north of $4 million on long-term deal. Again, someone was getting half retained somewhere. You could probably make it work, but I just don't see that happening. I can't see the Yotes wanting to keep a significant amount of money. Uh Tyler Mulek says Arizona retaining on Kane reduces the amount of retention slots they have mm-hmm. available, which is interesting because the other one is Oliver Ekman Larson, and he's a long time of retained money. Chikrin would be a couple more years of retained money too. Kane would be done at the end of this year, so it would uh, open it up a little bit. There's the option of a third party as well. It doesn't necessarily have to come directly from. Yeah, Arizona, I don't think a right? third party would be that interested in keeping Chikrin money though, just because there's term, right? Yeah, I guess. But what is it? Two years after this one? Mm-hmm. You're a bad team and you had a fourth round pick for a guy who you're spending a million and a half on to help you hit the cap. Then maybe. The condition on the Patrick Kane to New York deal from Elliot Friedman. It's a second rounder. If the Rangers win two rounds this year, so get to the conference finals, it'll become a first rounder in either 2024 or 2025 since their first this year is out the door in the Tarasenko deal. So there you go. That Metropolitan playoff be so is going to be unbelievable. Rangers, Devils, round one. Oh, it's going to be must-watch TV. Carolina, whoever they play in the wild card. Mm-hmm. The East is going to be juicy. The East is looking good. The West is looking a little wah. Not great. But that means the Oilers still have a chance to win the conference as of right now. Uh, like you look at this, everyone's on losing streaks. Like it's ridiculous. Colorado actually would probably be my pick to win the division. If we wanted to do a little like betting talk brought to you by our friends at Betway, like Colorado's getting hot and they should realistically only keep getting healthier. Uh, Vegas is banged up. They just put Laurent Brassois back on IR. So like their only goalies, Aiden Hill, the Kings, I don't love. I think their goaltending is an issue. The Kraken are coming back to earth at a rapid pace. Mm. The Oilers need to start winning. The problem is they have a lot of hard games coming up. I think they, they play better in hard games anyway. I think last night was a very positive game for them. I think they were a bit unlucky on some things, but I think Mike David said after the game, winning is a skill and Boston has figured out how to win yep. on a regular basis. And now the Oilers got to, got to do that more often, but I'm not worried about them to be honest. Uh, Connor McDavid speaking about yes, Puliarvi said Jesse is always at his best when he's having fun. So here's to hoping Jesse has a lot of fun in Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping, like I dragged this show on because I thought we were gonna get a get a trade. Damn it! I guarantee as soon as we'll shut it down. Well, let's get into the betting talk then and extend this bad boy for a couple more minutes. Liam, what do you like tonight? What do I like tonight? I like the over in Columbus and Buffalo. Elvis Merz-Lickens has gone nine straight starts, giving up at least three goals against. The over's hitting four or five for Buffalo. Give me that over in Carolina, Buffalo, or uh, Columbus, Buffalo. Jeez. I wish they would play him against the Oilers. That would have been nice. Um, what do I got here? I have Roman Yossi's shot prop. He's hit in three of his last five. 
six shots last game. Even, even money. money right now. And then Clayton Keller, I believe he's hit this in four or five too. And Clayton Keller is having a very good season. Mm-hmm. Good player. So I, I like those two. Chicago stinks. Roman Yossi's just a good player overall. So why not? Kind of the offense that uh, drives it down there in Nashville. Why not? Shout out to Liam. Uh, shout out to our friends at Betway 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Someone asked, is Frank Cervalli coming on the show tomorrow? You better damn believe Frank Cervalli's coming on the show tomorrow, right after noon mountain time. Will we have a trade to talk about then? I don't know. Maybe. It could happen. I'm also going to be live with Frank Cervalli for four hours on March 3rd for the NHL trade deadline, 10 a.m. Mountain until 2 o'clock Mountain, which is an hour after the deadline. Myself, McKenna, Alberga, Rosehill, Stephen Ellis, Matt Larkin, whole crew, Pete Blackburn as well. March 3rd, 10 a.m. Head to Daily Face Off on YouTube. Actually, Liam, can you put a link to the DFO YouTube in the description for today's episode? Yes. Okay, there you go. We will do that. Uh, so you can hit the subscribe button there. 412 of you watching right now on the Nation Network YouTube. You guys were all awesome today in the chat. This was a lot of fun. What I'll say is, I'm looking at the analytics. Not a lot of you guys subscribe. Hammer that subscribe button before you go. Hit the like button as well. Uh, if there is a trade tonight, I will try to go live. I'll give you that. If a deal breaks, we will try to get something going, like an emergency episode of the show. But if nothing breaks, we'll be back tomorrow at noon mountain time when Frank Saravalli stops by for some more trade talk. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Shout out to Star Mechanical, Sports Closet, coming to you live from the Sports Closet studio. Tomorrow is the Sherwood Ford Giant game day and also AMA travel. Listen to the real life podcast yesterday. I got a good AMA travel thing going on there. That's a wrap. Enjoy your day, everybody. Oh, well. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.